0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? The Not So Native Podcast would like to welcome back our sponsor, MLR Professional Tax and Accounting Service, 623-505-7141. MLR Professional Tax and Accounting provides personal and business tax and accounting services. Looking for help with your business or personal tax returns this year? Choose the firm we choose at the Not So Native Podcast, MLR Professional Tax and Accounting, 623-505-7141. There's never a charge to talk. Happy Did you know that February 14th is Arizona's birthday? In fact, this year we're celebrating our 107th birthday in Arizona. So I was poking around on the internet trying to find some way to really kind of sum up the history of Arizona. And I, I came across this article by Jana Boomersbach. It's from February 13th of 2012 uh, for the Arizona Republic. And you can find the article at azcentral.com. We'll have links to it in the show notes as well. But she summed it up pretty darn good. So I wanted to just read that little article from seven years ago when we were celebrating our 100th anniversary of becoming a state. The United States didn't want Arizona. Congress only begrudgingly named it a territory in the first place. And to gain statehood, Joining the 47 others was too grand a gesture for this rude, crude land in the southwestern desert filled with scoundrels and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Just ask anyone east of the Missouri River from 1856 until 1912. That's 56 long years. Over five decades of wanting and petitioning and planning and building and praying. So when statehood finally came, on February 14th, 1912, the party was something spectacular to behold. But first, there were those 56 years of disappointing, or disappointment. The first time there ever was anything called the Arizona Territory, it wasn't even in the United States of America. It was in the Confederate States of America, and it wasn't anything like the vertical state of today. It was an oblong hunk of land, that stretched across the southern New Mexico from Texas to California. Most have forgotten this piece of Arizona history, but if you looked on a map of the country as the Civil War broke out in 1861, you wouldn't have found anything called Arizona. Its land was swallowed up by the New Mexico Territory with the territorial capital of Santa Fe. Starting in 1856, the white settlers of this forgotten land had twice petitioned Washington for a separate Arizona territory, and twice they were told no. The only thing going for this piece of real estate was the Butterfield Overland Stagecoach, which carried mail, freight, and passengers to California. It was a route Southern congressmen had forced through with an obvious eye to the future. This is how the south would get hold this is how the south would get gold from california but as the southern congressmen left washington to form the confederacy northern politicians revoked the butterfield contract in march of 1861 severing small communities like tucson and mesilla now in southern new mexico from the rest of the country The secession of southern states gave these rejected folks an alternative. And on March 16, 1861, a month before the Civil War broke out, a secessionist convention was held in Mesilla, pledging Arizona as a Confederate state. And on March 28, another convention in Tucson ratified the move, and Arizona again declared itself a Confederate state. Historian Robert Perkins surmises that Washington could have stopped the secessionist movement if it had been more considerate. Instead, it did the opposite. It pulled Union troops out of Arizona to mass along the Rio Grande, leaving the population unprotected from Mexican bandits and Apache chief Cochise, who already was at war with white intruders. Cochise saw the retreat of the Bluecoats as a victory, and launched a rampage that terrorized the area. He help, help came from Rebel Lieutenant Colonel John R. Baylor, who captured Fort Fillmore to give the settlers some protection. He declared the area a Confederate territory, 670 miles long with all land south of the 34th parallel from Texas to California, and named himself Governor, with Messiah as the capital. The people of Arizona welcomed Baylor with open arms, holding another convention on August 28, 1861, to ratify his actions and elect Greenville Henderson Urie as its delegate to the Confederate States Congress. And by October 1st, Urie was in Richmond, Virginia, seeking formal status for Arizona as the South's only rebel territory. In early 1862, Confederate President Jefferson Davis created the Confederate Territory of Arizona. That finally got Washington's attention, and President Abraham Lincoln swept in, creating the Arizona Territory on February 24, 1863. He established a boundary line that divides it from New Mexico to this day. If Arizonans thought it was the first step in becoming a real part of the United States of America, They were sadly mistaken. There is an eerie and cruel irony in this history. Davis officially brought Arizona into his nation on February 14, 1862, exactly 50 years to the day that Arizona became the last of the forty-eight contiguous states. Are you a homeowner? Are high electric bills busting your budget? Well, do what I did and call Charlie Miller with Argent Solar, 623-734-6011. Argent Solar has an A-plus rating with the BBB and zero complaints with the Arizona Registrar of Contractors. Save money by harnessing the power of the sun. Call Charlie Miller, 623-734-6011. 623-734-6011. The road to statehood was long and agonizing. No other territory waited as long or fought as stubbornly as the pioneers of the Arizona Territory. Looking back, their determination was unquenchable. Just 28 years after becoming a territory, the residents decided the time was ripe for statehood, and in 1891, they wrote a constitution and took the train to Washington to hand-deliver it to Congress. Considering the rejection they received, one can only imagine the derisive jokes passed around congressional offices as the Arizonans went home with their tails between their legs. Seven years later, they got even more dramatic, demonstrating with blood and guts and their lives just how serious they were about statehood. In what is perhaps the most historic action to gain statehood in the history of the nation, thousands of Arizona men answered the call, for a volunteer army in 1898 to fight in the nation's first overseas war, the Spanish-American War. Not only did Arizona have thousands more volunteers than could be taken, they were the very first to volunteer and become Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. The Arizona's troops were led by Prescott Captain William Bucky O'Neill, who was killed and whose tombstone says it all who would not die for a few excuse me who would not die for a new star on a flag even the brave men of arizona weren't enough for congress if they thought statehood would be their reward they were 14 years too early the first time washington seriously entertained the idea of admitting arizona was in 1903 when the chairman of the senate committee on territories Proposed it be combined with New Mexico and admitted as one state. They called it jointure. And while New Mexico liked the idea, Arizona didn't. Voting against it in 1906 by 16,235 to 3,141 votes. Quote, We prefer to remain a territory indefinitely. Rather than lose our identity, read a petition. The Phoenix City Council was so mad that President Theodore Roosevelt seemed to give tacit approval of jointure that it changed the name of Roosevelt Street to Cleveland Street, but would eventually change it back again. Arizona started calling itself the 47th state in anticipation of things turning around. And in 1910, they finally did. Congress overcame its fears. And told the territory to write a constitution. Arizona's Constitutional convention opened on August October 10th, 1910, and ran for 60 days, producing what was then considered either one of the most progressive constitutions of any state or socialistic and undemocratic. It did not include voting rights for women. It did include the initiative, referendum, and recall, including the recall of judges that President William Howard Taft had warned he would never approve. And while some Arizona, including its newspapers, claimed the entire effort was, quote, all for naught because of the recall, voters loved the Constitution, passing it on February 1911, Thousand five hundred thirty-four votes to 3,920. But Taft upheld his promise and vetoed the Constitution, telling Arizona Territory it would never be admitted with that provision. Arizona responded like an obedient child, removing the recall of judges and going back to voters who approved the sanitized Constitution. Arizona was approved for statehood, but would face one more disappointment. It had hoped to be admitted on February 12th, the, president of, the birthday of President Lincoln, who remained a state champion f- for making it a territory in the first place. But Taft was busy then and didn't sign until Valentine's Day on February 14th, 1912. Meanwhile, New Mexico, which didn't tinker with Taft's rules on a Constitution, was admitted as the 47th state on January 6, 1912, making Arizona the 48th state. Do you want to learn more about solar energy and how to harness its power? Check out casearizona.com. The Conservative Alliance for Solar Energy is a nonprofit organization focusing on educating Arizona homeowners on the benefits of residential rooftop solar and renewable energy. Check them out at casearizona.com. That's C A S E A R I Z O N A.com. Arizona's celebration was epic. As President Taft signed the official papers in Washington, D.C. at 1023 a.m. on that Wednesday, a telegraph key brought home the message. Bisbee set off a stack of 48 sticks of dynamite. And while in Globe, that magic number came from a cannon. At Tucson, sirens at the waterworks announced the news while the Arizona, University of Arizona ROTC cadets executed drills. and Prescott, they raised a toast and shot off pistols on Whiskey Row while Arizona-born boys and girls helped plant a native white oak in the town plaza. In Phoenix, George W.P. Hunt walked from his downtown hotel to the state capitol and was sworn in as Arizona's first governor. A order William Jennings Bryan, spoke for two hours at the Capitol ceremonies. A huge parade included virtually every patriotic and fraternal organization in the state. A cannonade of 48 howitzer salutes on City Hall Plaza was so loud, it unsettled horses and broke windows and was halted at 38 blasts. At its first election of statehood in the fall of 1912, (laughs) Arizona voters reinstated the recall of judges into the state constitution. And, by a healthy margin, they gave Arizona women the right to vote, eight years before national suffrage. It was the first time, but certainly not the last, that the United States would realize that it had admitted one honorary state to its union. Happy birthday, Arizona! Happy Valentine's Day. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.